Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello to you today. I pray that you are being blessed and enjoying the presence of the Lord in your home. Last week, we were talking about the table and the table of showbread in the Bible. On the table of showbread, there was showbread. That's why it was called the table of showbread. Actually, the table and the bread were considered as one. They were like twins. Uh, You couldn't have one without the other. It's interesting that when uh, the priest would come in to change the bread each week, because every new week they baked 12 new loaves of bread for the table. And because God said it was to be continually upon the table, it was also called the continual table, when they came in, they would have one set of priests who would take the bread and the vessels off the table and as they were taking it off the table they would have another set of priests who would immediately put it down on the table so there was absolutely not a second when the bread wasn't upon the table and so the bread and the table were synonymous just like mother and home are synonymous. A home without a mother is not really a home. And how can a mother be a mother without a home? They're really synonymous terms. And and a home is meant to have a mother. Just as the table is a place where we're meant to eat. Did you get that point, ladies? The table and the bread, or the table, and the food, are synonymous. In other words, the Bible reveals to us that we are meant to eat at the table. We don't eat wherever we like. It's time for mealtime. Everybody's hungry, and maybe the mother calls, come and get it, so everybody just gets what they want and eats wherever they want. No, that is not how we eat meals. We are meant to eat meals around a table. Now, we have tables that we sit at today, Back in Bible days or in Middle Eastern times, they had low tables. They still sat at those tables, but they sort of reclined in a sitting position and uh, maybe sat on the floor because the table was low. And there is one Hebrew word for table where it was a mat on the ground. So uh, the people or the family would come and sit around the mat and the food would be in the middle. See, the whole concept of the table is to gather people around. No matter what the situation, and it's some beautiful high-class table or some humble table or a little low table or even a mat or tablecloth on the ground, it's a table. It's a gathering place. And so we need to get that concept so that in our homes, 
we don't get away from the habit of sitting at the table. Well, I'm sure that's just normal uh, in your home, but sadly, there are so many homes today that that are forgetting the table. Their lives are so busy, and uh, they're often out here and there and just getting fast food and even when they're home they just people are just getting what they want to eat and eating wherever they like and we've forgotten the true concept of the table now remember last week i told you that it's not only a biblical uh, principle but a heavenly principle God has a table in his kingdom. Well, I would think many, many, many tables. Uh, Because in the tabernacle, there was one table of showbread. But when David, or then his son Solomon, built uh, the temple, Solomon built 10 tables of showbread because it was a much larger place. So I can't imagine how many tables God has in his kingdom. But... Okay, if it's a heavenly thing, well, shouldn't it bring a little bit of heaven to our home? Well, perhaps you don't feel like that. Sometimes you think, help, you should come to my place. It's not very heavenly around here. It's just one big shambles. Well, ladies, today I'd like to give you a few little practical tips. They're from the Bible and also some from my experience. It's amazing how much practical stuff the Bible has. Oh, I'm forever amazed at how God shows us uh, about everything in his word. It's amazing. The first little tip I want to give you is to set your table. I believe it is important to set your table, not just to throw some, you know, silverware on the table and some plates with the food. Come and get it. No, let's set the table. What does it say in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 2? Wisdom has built her house. She has also set her table. I believe it's very important to set a table because it draws people to it. We should make our table a place where our family, even our little children, want to come because it it just draws them. I think it's lovely to put a tablecloth on a table. I don't like to sit down myself to a naked table to eat my meal. Well, in the daytime, sometimes I have a naked table, although I usually have some kind of centerpiece uh, cloth on my table. Um, But it's still half naked (laughs) during the day. But when we come to eat our meals, I love to put a tablecloth on. It's mealtime. So we're not going to have the table just as it's being. We're going to make it special because now we're going to eat together. I remember a friend staying with me and uh, she said, oh, can I, I was preparing the meal. I said, would you like to set the table and found the tablecloth for her? She said, oh, goodness, do you use a tablecloth? She said, I've never used one. And all of the friends I know, none of us use tablecloths. And I said to her, wow, do you mean to say you sit down at naked tables? 
Um, But anyway, you may think, well, I've got little ones and that's just too much work. Well, I know we go through different seasons in our lives. But even when we do have little ones, it's possible to buy a beautiful tablecloth and then put clear plastic over it. All you have to do is wipe down the plastic. You'd have to wipe down your table anyway, but you've still got something pretty underneath. And so that's something you can do. As your children get older, uh, you find that there comes a time in your life when you actually don't have to have clear plastic over it any longer. And uh, I find that Even though I use a tablecloth every night, I don't wash my tablecloth every time. I find it's amazing. Uh, It doesn't seem to need it. We can just go and shake it out. and, And it does for, you know, two or three or even three or four meals before it really needs to be washed. But I think that's a beautiful thing. It adds a touch to your table. And then you set the table correctly. Now, of course, dear mothers... You don't have to be doing all this yourself because you're training your children as they grow. And even little ones, even four and five, can begin to set a table. And it's a job they love to do. Oh, they just love to choose the tablecloth. And when you show them how to set a table, they learn. Now, I've had young people come to my home and they don't even know where the knives and forks go. I can't believe it. But you can teach your children from little where you put the knife and fork and they are learning as they go. And then you can even encourage them to make something special for the table. A centerpiece. Maybe they can go outside and find some leaves Maybe find some wildflowers. Maybe find something they can put in the center of the table. Or they could draw a little card or something. It just gives them incentive and and releases their creativity. And it may not be perfect, but who cares about that? it's, It's made special. There's thought into it. And when everybody comes to the table, there's a little talking piece. Oh, what is this you have put here? And oh, this looks lovely. And And they feel so special. And you'll find if you give each of your children turns that they'll become very competitive as to who is going to do the best table. And uh, so it's something your children can do. They learn how to do it correctly. They learn how to make a beautiful, uh, creative table that draws people to it. And then... You put your food out on the table that you've been preparing. Um, Just put it in some dishes um, and uh, just have it looking lovely. Set, you know, so that it's, it's something that draws people to it. I believe the table should draw our family to it. Oh, this is so lovely. They just want to come and sit around. And I remember watching, um, you maybe have heard me say this before, but um, I watched a movie years and years ago. And when I watched it, it was black and white and it was rather slow moving and uh, it was subtitled. Today, you can get it in color and it's in English. And it was called Babette's Feast. 
And it's the amazing story of this community, um, a religious community, and how they became so kind of disgruntled with one another. But how this woman behind the scenes created this glorious, glorious meal. Nobody knew that she was once uh, the, the, the cook, or what would you say? She was more than just a cook. She was um, um, of a great uh, restaurant in France. And there was someone at this meal who had been to her restaurant. And he got up and said, this reminds me of a woman I know, a woman who knew how to make every meal into a love affair. And I caught those lines. Oh, I love those lines. And I have taken them ever since to, um, sometimes I do it more than others, but I, I love to just have that there as my vision for each table to make every meal a love affair. That's a beautiful thing to do, mothers, because your meal table is so important and your family are going to gather round. Don't you want to make it a love affair? Don't you want to make it another memory? Don't you want to make it something special? special for them instead of just something that's so boring and ordinary okay let's go on to the next point which is very similar and that is make it orderly there is a scripture uh, once again about the table of showbread exodus 40 verse 4 and verse 23 and it says and thou shalt bring in the table that's the table of showbread and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. God had told Moses about the bread and about the vessels, about the utensils, about the frankincense, about everything that had to be on the table. And it had to be on the table in a certain way, in order. And then in verse 23 it says, And he set the bread in order upon it, before the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. God loves things orderly. He doesn't want us to just have a table that's all haphazard and everything just thrown on it. No, God loves order. And I believe, ladies, I believe as we set an orderly table, and we set a lovely table that our children will become more orderly. The children will follow the pattern of the table. And so if we don't put much emphasis on the table and we just sort of throw out a bit of food, here, come and get it, and, and you know, they can just gather where they want and, and just grab a plate and, and put it on. And there's no one, it's not set out for each specific person. Well, when it's just like that, they, you know, it's easy for them to, you know, give in to negative behavior. But when they see an orderly table, somehow... It makes them want to be more orderly. You see, practical things help the atmosphere. 
how we create the atmosphere will determine a lot of how our children will behave. So I want you to try out these little secrets, dear mothers, and just see what will happen in your table. Now, another little practical thing. And that's about sitting at the table. Did you know that the Bible even has, well, it has lots and lots to say about sitting at the table. And I'm not going to give you all these scriptures, but I have done a study and I just wrote pages of scriptures about sitting at the table or the Hebrew or the Greek words that mean to sit at the table. Even some uh, of the words for dwelling, the dwelling of a home, some of those Hebrew words also include the meaning of sitting sitting in the home. And so it's a very biblical thing. And uh, we could perhaps first go to the Old Testament. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it tells the story of David and Jonathan and how David is currently in King Saul's palace living there. Uh, but Saul is getting very jealous of David. You remember how David went out to battle and all the, the women, when they would come home from battle, the women would go out and, and uh, they would sing the victory songs and they would sing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And I don't think Saul liked that very much. And uh, he was also had a problem of, of evil spirit coming upon him and getting mad and angry. And David would play his harp to soothe him. But even then, sometimes he would throw his javelin at him and, and David was feeling hated and he was thinking, this is time I got out of this palace. So he and Jonathan are out in the fields making plans. How are we going to do it? And David said, okay. I'm going to go away, back home for three days. And um, tonight you'll be at the table and my place will be empty. So let me know what's going to happen. So anyway, we go to uh, the, well, verse 5. David said, I should not fail to sit at the table with the king because everybody in the palace uh, who, who were of who were allowed to be at the king's table, had to be there. When it was mealtime, at the right time, they had to be there and they had to be in their seat. So we go down to verses 24 and 25. And then when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as at other times, on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite. And Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Now, do you notice there, ladies, that the Bible takes time? I mean, did the Bible really have to tell us where they were all sitting at the table? I mean, what's, what are we going to get out of that? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to get out of it, ladies. We're going to get out of it how that it's important for each of our children to have a seat at the table. God wants us to sit down 
for our meals, and he wants everyone there. Now David's place was empty. And Saul was going to notice. Actually, he didn't say anything the first night because uh, he thought, oh, well, maybe he's had to go urgently somewhere. The next night, when his seat was empty, wow, he began to get angry and he got to Jonathan to find out what was happening. And, uh, of course, the end of the story is how that Jonathan realized his father was so angry with David that David knew it was time to flee the palace and uh, he left. But getting back to the seating, that's amazing. The Bible talks about where each one sat. And they all sat there, as it says, the king sat as he did at every other time. They all sat at their assigned seating. That's interesting. Maybe it's a good idea to have assigned seating. I had a mother come to me recently and she said, Nancy, um, oh, my children fight and squabble at the table and where they're going to sit. I said, oh, do you just let them sit anywhere? Yes, she said, but oh, they're always fighting. One wants to sit by daddy and one wants to sit here. I said, try assigned seating because it's biblical. And when we have a certain place for each child, they know where they're going to sit, so they don't have to fight or argue over it. Of course, you could change it. Maybe every few months you could change it, so some have a turn to sit by daddy or by mummy or by someone. Uh, but you keep that assigned seating for a certain time because it's another way of having order. And people know where they are coming and they sit at their seat. No bickering, no fighting. There we go. Isn't it amazing? God has a biblical answer for every little thing we face in our home. Well, let's go over to the New Testament. And we'll look at that wonderful story when Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. And uh, remember, he'd been speaking to them for so long and they were tired and weary and hungry. And Jesus said, we can't turn them away when they're hungry like this. Because Jesus, he is, I am the bread. He not only wants to fill us uh, with sustenance from himself spiritually, he wants to feed us physically too. He feeds us with good things. And uh, so he said, what have we got? And they had five loaves and two fishes. And so before Jesus did anything and before he broke the bread and began to pass out the food, we noticed something. And we notice it in every gospel. Can I read you a little verse out of each gospel on this story? In Matthew fourteen nineteen, it says, And Jesus commanded the multitude, to sit down on the grass. Then in Mark 6, 39 and 40, it says, Jesus commanded them to, he's commanding his disciples to make, you notice two words here, commanded and make, all, not just a few, but all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks. Jesus did not give out any food, 
until they were all sitting down. No food until all seated. Good rule for your house. And then in Luke 9.14, and he said to his disciples, Make them sit down. And then in John 6 verse 10, this is every gospel. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. Do you notice how Jesus refused to give out any food until everyone was seated? There's something about sitting down for a meal. You see, when we come to the table, ladies, it's more than for food. This is another thing that is synonymous, food and fellowship. They go together. We sit down not only to eat, but to fellowship. You see, and we're sitting at the table. You're not sitting at the TV or somewhere, wherever you like. It's sitting together at the table. Jesus got the people uh, on that day to sit down in companies. They were there so they could fellowship together in companies. That's all part of eating. And so we benefit physically. Studies, scientific studies have been done uh, that when you just walk around while you're working, doing what you're having to do and you're eating, you really don't even remember what you've eaten. And you're not physically getting the nutrients that you should get from your food and which you would get if you are sitting down and taking time to eat and talk with others. That's the way food is meant to be eaten. Now, lovely, darling mothers, especially with little ones, you have to watch that. It's easy for you to just be feeding the children and you're just sort of standing up, eating a bit as you're doing it, or you're thinking, oh, well, well, I haven't got time to eat now. No, work it out somehow that you can also sit down with the family, sit down with your children, uh, because even if you're sitting down and you're feeding them at the same time, you know, you've got a baby in a high chair beside you or you've got a baby in your lap. And, uh, well, of course, if you've got a little baby, you may be just nursing them while you eat and you can do that at the same time. And or maybe a baby that's getting a little bit older now and knows how to chew and learning to eat. You may be feeding the little one from your plate or perhaps they're in the high chair. And maybe you can give them some finger foods while you can just eat your meal. But try and sit down with the family. It's establishing a habit, even with your little ones. And it's amazing what you can do as you plan to make it happen. So sitting down is very important. And as you think about the assigned seating, I do hope your husband sits at the head of the table. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing because we don't have to get our children round and give them a lesson. Oh, now, Daddy is the head of our home. No, 
We just teach them that by the way we live, just by our lifestyle. Daddy comes to the table, he sits at the head, he gives thanks for the meal, he's leading the family. The children just see him there at the head of the table. Maybe you sit at the other head of the table, or maybe you sit by your husband, whatever. Um, but I think it's great for the husband to sit at the head of the table. Uh, it's just something very special, and um, I think it causes a man to rise up into who he is. I remember once when um, we were leaving Australia, and all our furniture, it was just ready for the junk heap. And so we got rid of it all and rid of so much. When you're leaving not just a state but a country, you have to get rid of so much. But our beautiful table, I didn't know what to do with that because our father had uh, bought it for us. It was a beautiful table from wood from New Guinea. And uh, it could fit 12 or 14 people around it. It was beautiful. And so we gave it to uh, Val uh, and Bill. Val is um, the head of Above Rubies in Australia and looks after it down there. And at that time, her husband was not a Christian. He has now come to the Lord. But she said it was amazing. They had just a little round table. And when they sat at our big table and Bill sat at the head of the table, she said it was amazing. Without any prompting from her, without her saying anything, he gave thanks for the meal. It was as though something came upon him as he was just there in that seat at the head of the table. I remember a time when I was having a meal with uh, a friend um, on the way uh, out of um, New Zealand. Um, we fly out of Auckland, and so I went there for a meal on the way out. And this woman cooked the most beautiful meal. She's a great cook. But it was time to come to the meal. Her husband came to the table, and the girls came, and they um, just sat anywhere. The husband just sat at the side of the table, and, and uh, it, it seemed to me so sad because... There was something missing. Oh, the meal was beautiful. But the husband, uh, he, he just, he wasn't there at the head of the table. And in fact, when he'd eaten his dinner, he just left. When the girls had eaten their, their dinner, their meal, they just left. And I was left sitting with my friend. <coughs> but it, it was so sad because they missed out on so much. Those girls missed out on seeing their father at the head of the table. They missed out on their father leading them in Bible reading at the end of the mealtime. It was just a bit of food and that's it, gone. But the, the meal table is far more than that. Oh, another thing about sitting too. I, I don't think we can expect really little ones to sit up, you know, straight at the table. Uh, of course, when they are able to, um, then we're going to train them. But when they're still little wee toddlers, maybe they could be there for a little while and then they'll come and sit on our knee. And uh, maybe one will be on daddy's knee. Perhaps you have the baby and 
When you have a bigger family and you've got teens and middlings and little ones, I'm sure lots of you have families with all different ages. Actually, it becomes so much easier then, doesn't it? And and an older child can hold a little one, especially as you get to family devotions. Maybe uh, they can have a little time of training and learning to sit up to eat their food. And then it comes time for Bible reading and they're getting a little bit fidgety. Well, you can... You know, an older child can take one on their lap and just cuddle them and hold them. Or daddy or mummy can take another one. And you're just rocking them and cuddling them as the Bible is being read. And and, uh, so they're in a place where they can receive it. And so you'll have wisdom about that as you're training your children to sit at the table. All right. Oh, another thing about the table. Um, This is something that we would never have had to talk about years ago. But suddenly, now, we have to talk about it. And that's iPhones at the table. Oh, precious mothers, I hope you don't allow iPhones at your table. They are rude. They are an intrusion. They are something which is saying, well, really, um, I don't, I'm not really interested in anybody around this table, thank you. I mean, you see, ladies, we've got to realize the table is not just food for our body. The table is food for our soul and food for our spirit. It's where we feed the whole man. And it's a place where we gather our family to communicate, to dialogue, to talk to one another. It's where we talk about things together. It's where we discuss things. It's where we cement our convictions and hone our ideas and learn new things. And so we can't do that if there are people with iPhones. Oh, goodness me. Help. That's not a gathering together of the table. And if our children are so addicted that they can't let their iPhone go while they're at the table, they have got a problem and you'll have to deal with it. Because Okay, we're getting to a stage. I know some of you may not, your children may not have iPhones yet. Well, that's great. But it seems that it's coming a time where most get them these days. And as they do, we've got to teach them how to use them, just as we ourselves. Sadly, there's some fathers and mothers who use them at the table. And uh, you better get out of that habit too, because you're teaching your children Um, we have to learn how to use iPhones so that they are our tool and we're not their victim. And uh, that takes self-control. But isn't that one of the things the older mothers are to teach the younger mothers? We are to teach the young mothers to have self-control, to be sober. That meaning of sober is to gird up the mind and to have self-control. And so... We as mothers, we've got to learn self-control with our iPhones so that we use them as a tool. They can be used as a tool or you can become a victim to social media on them. And especially our children. Oh, my. And our teens. We have got to teach them and we've got to put boundaries on them. And uh, 
whatever boundaries you put will be different in every family. But at least, at least, oh, precious mothers, don't ever allow them at the table. It is an intrusion on your family life and your togetherness and your heart and soul communication. And you will have to watch with your beady eyes because I have noticed children, and I have even noticed teens at our table, because we have lots of people coming to our table. Sometimes I've noticed their eyes cast down and looking actually past their food plate, and I think, oh my, they're looking at their iPhone. How did they get that to the table? So you do have to watch. A good idea, maybe, is have a basket where, okay, drop all iPhones in here as you come, children, and make sure it's far enough away that they don't hear dings and beeps um, so they're not being tempted to run and get it. Isn't it amazing? Goodness, people are total victims. They are victims today to dings and beeps. Can you believe that? Dings and beeps, and they run to them. Oh, goodness me, we have to learn self-control. In fact, iPhones are a good, wonderful, amazing way to learn self-control, aren't they? Okay, now, a few other things. A good idea when you come to the table is direct the conversation. Ladies, if you just let it go, however you, it's going to go, guess what? It's going to go nowhere. It'll get to the shallowness and nothingness. You have got to direct it. I have found that it's just as important for me to think about what we'll talk about at the table as it is for what I will prepare for the meal. And so I actually have a list. You can go to my webpage and pick up that list Um I think it's, I forget what it's called now, but it will be somewhere on the family table subject about conversations for mealtimes. And if I can't think of something new, well, I can just go to my list. But I will bring a question or a subject for discussion, maybe political or biblical or geographical or whatever, or an interesting question. Okay, children, what about this? Let's talk about this. Or go around, have a question which each one has to go around and answer. Or, you know, what's something new? you have learned today and and uh, but direct the conversation so that you can have a positive uh, time at your uh, table and of course don't leave the table lovely ladies until you've fed your children completely because the table is to feed their body soul and spirit you feed their bodies, you feed their souls as you dialogue together. But the most important is their spirit. You've got to feed their spirit. Don't leave until you open the word of God and your husband reads from the word of God. Or we use in our home, we use the daily light on the daily path uh, because it's just scripture and it has it for every morning and every evening of the year. So it's always there waiting for you. It's a great blessing. And uh, do that. Back in Holland in the early days, they used to call the Bible reading finishing up the meal. 
Isn't that great? I had never heard that uh, until I was in Holland one time and this lady told me. I thought, how amazing. They always finished the meal with the Bible. And that's how they finished it up. And they fed their spirits. And then your children are being completely fed. Spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that good? Don't grow big physical children with starving spirits inside. There must be so many children whose spirits are starving, famished, because they're not fed with the Word of God. Just two little tips as we close. Um, when uh, we first began to do this, as the children were growing, uh, my husband would sometimes forget. I mean, he didn't want to forget, but... You know, men, they have a one-track mind. If they're thinking about something else, well, they forget about reading the Bible. And so what I would do, I would bring the Bible or the daily light and just put it beside his plate. I would do that as the meal was getting to a close, uh, and i just put it by his plate. So he, oh, subconsciously, he would just put out his hand, pick it up, and read. Because he wanted to do it. But maybe he would forget. And that was a little reminder. Another thing is that we don't, in our home, scrape the plates and pick up all the plates and take them to the counter to have a lovely clean table to have our Bible reading. No. I have found, ladies, if we do that and everybody gets up and they start scraping, start clearing, start walking over to the counter, taking all the plates, you know what happens? Oh, goodness me, I can't get them back again. One runs to the toilet, one runs here, and I can't get them back. So I don't uh, let them go. So we just have our Bible reading as we're ending the meal. And do you know what? We've never noticed the plates on the table. Never notice. But at least we keep the beautiful atmosphere of the meal. Time is up. I hope these were a blessing to you. Dear Father, we thank you for your precious word and how you teach us so much. Oh, we thank you. And thank you for showing us the way. I pray that you will give every precious mother such a vision for her table, that this coming year will be a year where the table becomes such a focal point in their homes of gathering the family around. and Lord, that you will give them such beautiful, precious and wonderful times around their table and precious times of sharing together and most of all, wonderful times in the reading of your word and praying together. Oh, Father, bless their homes, bless their tables, I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.